Hi guys, welcome, welcome, welcome back to the Extraordinary Believers podcast. Uh, I really hope that you know you've had an amazing, edifying time all the time you've been listening to this podcast. Um, so yeah, thank you so much for your reviews, for your kind words, for your questions, um, you know, and feedback and everything. We're so grateful. Uh, so yeah, this season five, uh, you know, so far we've been talking about the Bible, the Bible, the Bible, and trust me, we could talk about the Bible all season. I mean, this entire podcast is about the Bible. So yeah, so our aim, like I keep repeating, just so that you know why we're doing this, you know, is to rekindle your love for the Bible your passion to study to be edified and to gain all that you're supposed to gain by the word of god you know the word of god actually answers all our questions i can actually say solves all our problems too because the advice everything you need you know you can find it in the word but yeah 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 moving on today we invited our special guest again you know what they say one is one is by chance two is the charmer right I've never heard anyone say that, but yeah, <laughs> I made it up, but it's fine. Uh, so yeah, our guest is here again, and he was here with us, you know, with, um, talking about the book of Ephesians, and we did chapter one to be basically discussing the believer's identity, and so now we're going to be doing from chapter four to the other books, to the other chapters in the book of Ephesians, okay? So yeah, listen, stay tuned, be blessed be edified be stared be enlightened be everything so yeah hi hi our guest hi moses hi. thank you for doing this again with us thank you for your time and your commitment thank you for the privilege thank you thank you so much yeah so you can dive in. um I've, I've just just to be clear i've never heard anyone say one, one is chance and two is trouble <laughs> I, I never never heard that before first time here you know, first time here. I made it up. Okay. All right. So, hi, hi everyone. How you guys? How you all doing today? Mm-hmm. Um, so last week we, or the last time, I don't know. Last time I was here, we did the, we did the book of Ephesians. We started from Ephesians chapter one to Ephesians chapter three, and mm-hmm. I said something. You know, you could you could find the last episode available. You know, if you just look through podcast episodes you can see that because i won't go through everything i did but I, I basically started by saying you can split ephesians into two parts chapter one to chapter three um talk about the identification of the believer and then chapter four to chapter six talk about the responsibilities and yeah. what a believer should do you know if you listen to our previous um episode like you'd hear that Towards the end of chapter three, he begins to incite or tell, you know, give notices that, that, hey, there's something you're supposed to do. You know, he says things like, oh, you're, you're, you're God's masterpiece. You're created for good works. You know, he, he begins to put putting these things into your head. It's like, just, you know, yeah, you're saved. You're, you're, you're saved by grace through faith, but you're also saved for good works. But from chapter four, he goes full on down. Now, um, just to give more context to the book of Ephesians, um, where Ephesus was, there is a common practice where the people there would drink and they would they would have um, one of, as part of their pagan worship, they would get drunk. So this is part of the things that they were the Ephesian church was experiencing in the city they lived in. You know, sometimes when we think about these churches, we always think of 
one large community. You know, everybody's inside. Alleluia, holy hands, they divide us together. Lord. Like, no, these, these were actual people. The same way you show up in church, you know, you raise your hands and you say, thank you, Jesus. And then you go home. And then on Monday, you resume at, at the workplace. Some of these people had jobs. Some of these people did not live in a community of believers. Some of them, you know, lived at different places. And so this, um, they, they were integrated in society. And so they felt the common pressures that we feel today, they felt the common temptations that we feel today. Why am I saying all of that? Mm-hmm. When God's word gives admonition to a group of believers living in the world, that same admonition applies to us because the, 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 you know, some people would like to think that, oh, things are worse off right now. Like things were bad in their day as well. Technically, sin is still sin. But nonetheless, the word of God remains true in the varying circumstances. Yeah. All right. So whatever whatever God's word instructs us to do today, first of all, we can do. And second of all, we're empowered to do. Mm. Those two facts are very, very important as you go into study your Bible. So when the word of God says flee, you can and you're empowered by the spirit to do it. Yeah. Okay. And in, also applies to you okay especially when he says to the believer okay mm-hmm. so ephesians chapter four um let's 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 do uh let's 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 start from chapter verse one so he says he first of all introduces himself as a prisoner let's start from three he says make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body and one spirit, just as you've been called to one glorious hope for the future. What he's referring to here is the body of Christ, not your body. It's like, oh, you have one life. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just reminded of, I don't know if you've played games and, you know, it's like, oh, you've got one life left or something. Yeah. Okay, so you know there is this there's this thing when it, while I was growing up there was this game we played we played football and then um, there's this thing where you have to pass you have to you have to get a nutmeg so the nutmeg is basically when you take the ball through someone's leg and you know everybody starts out with three lives and then <laughs> when you get to one they call it the skeleton or something and then so so that's not the image of what Paul is trying to say here like you know oh, you know you have one life. Oh, like this is your skeleton about to, you're about to die or something though he's he's referring to much more so he says for there is one body one spirit just as you've been called to one glorious hope for the future so he says there is one lord one faith one baptism and god and one god and father who is over all and in all living through all you know this is such a powerful message of unity mm-hmm. that Paul is preaching here mm-hmm. and you know it, it is even very important in our day and in our age listen as much as a lot of us have doctrinal differences and yes we do need to look at God's word for doctrine it's very important mm-hmm. but nonetheless when a person believes in the gospel they become our brothers and our sisters you know this is something we cannot deny so whether or not the brother or sister of ours 
knows God's word fully. They are primarily our brothers. And so we treat them as brothers. We treat them as brethren. You know, we can treat them as um, brethren who need to grow. That's fine. But nonetheless, they are brethren. And so, you know, sometimes, especially on Twitter, it's, it's like there, there's, a, there's, a, there's something that happens to the believer on Twitter. You become another man. And I don't mean this in a nice context. You know, somebody says something, you know, that they truly believe is correct. And instead of us to correct them in the most loving and nice way, in maybe in their in the private message, you could just send a message and say, hey, brother, you sent this out. I don't think this is correct. Let's look through the word of God together. We want to use that moment to show our spiritual gymnastics. And we go to the theological gym and know exactly what the scripture is saying. The actual Greek word is that you don't do it in such a way that it's a pain person. It's like, no. Remember, it's like, Imagine if you went you went for a boxing competition and then before the match you started punching your face to knock yourself out. That's that's strange. That's the same way it is when we we try to put other believers down. Listen, we need to correct, we need to instruct, but all of this has to be done in love. Mm-hmm. We're not trying to when because we're, it will be like us quenching ourselves and fighting ourselves. So everything must be done in love. We must always remember we are all believers, right? Yeah. So, I mean, and, and here's another thing. It may take time, but some, all these people that, you know, today it seems like they don't know anything about God's word, they will catch up. Because at one point you were that person. Yeah. You know, all of us who were that person yeah. at one, so one point we were very zealous about the wrong things, but yeah. God's word, you know, in God's grace, we, we receive the word of God in its truth. In the same way, we believe the best for that person. They will receive the word of God in the truth and all oh, what a glorious day it will be. Okay? Yeah. So he says, now, verse 7 and verse 8 is a very powerful place, or, or from verse 7 down. Now, look at look at verse 8. He says, okay, 7. However, he has given each, and each one of us special gift through the generosity of Christ. Look at this. This is why scriptures say, when he ascended to the heights, he led a crowd of captives mm. and gave gifts to his people. Now, this is gotten from um, Joshua. Sorry. This is gotten from Psalm chapter 68, verse 18. Mm. All right. And this is, this is what I explained in, in the, the last time we spoke. And I said, the New Testament is an explanation of the Old Testament. So you will find that the Old Test- the New Testament explains things like in the Old Testament. So when David said what he said in Psalm 68, it was a prophecy of what Jesus would do, right? Now look at Paul explaining it. She says in verse 10, And the same one who descended is the same one who ascended higher than all the heavens so that he might fill the entire universe with himself. Now he now says, so what does he mean the ascend and descend of course he's talking about his death and his resurrection okay so he now says now these are the gifts but but now none of none of this was explained by by um none of this was explained thoroughly by the prophecy given in psalm 68 but now because of the new testament we understand oh it's about christ but guess what he's not just ascending and descending there's even more he says now these are the gifts which Christ gave to the church, apostles, prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers. Okay? It now says their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. Okay? I, I want to stop there for a bit. 
Um, you know, I remember this statement. Um, a, a man of God I love and respect so much, Pastor Nelson. You know, he he told us one time, and he was like, he heard the minister say, you know, and I I, I can't preach, I can't teach, but can I give you a word from the Lord? It's like, um, first of all, the purpose of the ministry gifts is to build the church. And the way the church is built is by the word of God. Yeah. You see, some some of us are so um, we're so interested in the fanatic. This, I think this is this is also a reason why some people have issues with Bible study. Is that we're so interested we get to something new that we forget that what makes the Bible um, so such a powerful um, message is the fact that it is old and it doesn't change. And so. That old, timeless message is still as powerful today as it was when it was written. And so that message is what is used to equip us. So, you know, as a believer, when you're choosing a church, one of the reasons, even if your pastor, even if the head of your church is a prophet, he's an evangelist, nonetheless, you must be equipped by the, the teachings of God's word. Because that's the primary reason the ministry gifts were given. You know, your prophet, your apostle, your teacher, they are all given for the building of the church. Okay? He says, look at look at verse 13. This is very this is verse 12 actually. He says, their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church. He says this will continue until we come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. He says, No longer will be then we'll be no longer immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies. So clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we'll speak the truth in love that's very important in love growing in every way more and more like christ who is the head of his body the church so the purpose of the ministry gifts is what to build the church so someone is asking um the church has failed me you know i went to this church they did this to me listen it's 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 sad that you've been you've had those terrible experiences but nonetheless you cannot exclude the gathering of the believers from your spiritual growth because god designed you to grow in a community of believers he gave the gifts of the apostles the prophets the pastors and the teachers for your sake so if you're living it's like god imagine a person wants to become a graduate and doesn't go to this to to a schooling institution it's not going to happen because there's a system that's designed to make you a graduate and if you subscribe to that system it will make you what it says it will right in the same way when we subscribe to what to god's system of the church and in a body a local assembly of believers with a pastoring with a pastor teacher a prophet a prophet or apostle or evangelist over it who is edifying us with the word of god what's going to happen is that we'll be built up we will we will, we will catch up in standard so one and one another thing to know from here is that when you think of yourself as a believer you're not just thinking as, as of yourself as you in today's time compared to the guy beside you you're thinking of yourself as you compared to what the word of god says our standard is so your standard is not oh i come to church two times every week and the other brother does not so i'm better than him 
or oh um at least me and my girlfriend we only stay in the house we don't have sex so we're better than the other person no your standard is the word of god or you're like oh um i don't have premarital sex but you have you you envious towards another person do you understand like our standard is god's word so the the way we are being built up is we're not built to just be better than the other church we are built to come to maturity in the word to a, to a point of maturity in our growth where it will be able to correct other people in love where you know the love of god will, will be will be abundant in our midst that's what god's word wants to do it wants to mature us and this is so important this cannot happen without a church and here's another thing one thing that will help you in your bible study is having a good bible church if you go to a good bible church trust me bible study will get significantly better because right now you're listening to a podcast and in this podcast you're learning about god's word now imagine you were in a church you know there, there's only so much we can do right now like yeah. right now you know you can't stop me and say i didn't understand what you said yeah but if you were in your church's local group maybe you guys have a study group and then you know someone is teaching you, you raise your hand and you say excuse me could you explain that again and the person goes through it and you understand it better yeah okay right i can't call you after we're done with this podcast and say oh how you doing how's your day going have you been have you eaten today or someone in church can do that right have you prayed today have you studied today did you go in evangelism this week the church can do that or you know you commit sin and you're like oh my god i want to run away and there's someone in church calls you and like brother you're the righteousness of god in christ jesus you know sister god has not given up on you you know come back to church and they restore you they, they take you in the word they take you through a process of restoration where they take you through the world and remind you of who you are and teach you to live as the light of the world that you are all of that is possible with the local church and that's very important in our growth okay yeah then he goes on he, he goes on um to talk about the, the the nature of sin and nature of righteousness and i think there are two verses that sum that up look at he says from verse 22 he says throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life which is corrupted by lust and deception instead let the spirit renew your thoughts and your attitudes you see look if you if you look at this for him to to tell you to let the spirit it means that you must be in an atmosphere where the spirits can yeah and the easiest and the best place for all of this to happen is in a church okay yeah. so he now goes on to say put on your new nature created to be like like god truly righteous and holy i I just like to say this i just feel the need to say this that the fact that we're saying you know you should go to church does not mean that you're going to find one church that's perfect yeah the church isn't perfect i mean this scripture proves to you that the church is not perfect because the fact that your pastor exists is the proof that nobody there is perfect because the word of god says we are the, the gifts are given to we are mature so because the pastor is still there is the proof that we are not there yet all right so there are people who offend you there are people who will not walk in love towards you but listen listen mm-hmm. 
you can't run away from God's system. Maybe you know you're you're in a church that you know is is just not right for you. You can leave, but don't leave the churching institution. You know, find a better church. It's just you know if you if you go to a school. Okay, there's this funny thing that happened, or it's not funny. This is one of my earliest memories as as a kid in in I think it was in. No, not kindergarten, it was nursery one. I just finished kindergarten, so I got to nursery one. And then I came back home. I remember this so clearly. And I was reciting the alphabet to my, to my dad and my mom. And then I got to, I was like, A, B, C, D. I was like, M, O, N, E, O, P. And then my dad heard me say M, O, N, E, and he was like, what? The next, the next memory I had, they were changing my school. <laughs> and he didn't say, oh, this school is teaching you M, O, N, E. So... They're not, you know, I, I give up on school. I'm not sending you to school again. You stay in this house. He knew there was a better option. You understand? Of course, my new school was not perfect, but it was good enough to help me speak English better. At least my teachers did not say emu any. Do you understand? Mm-hmm. In the same way, when when we go to one church and then, you know, there they are, they are flaws that are not being taken care of. I mean, there are flaws that should be taken care of, but this one, they're not being taken care of. There's a better church somewhere. You just have to be willing to look for it. Don't say, oh, all churches are the same. It's not true. It's not true. Okay? The same way you don't say all schools are the same. I mean, that's not true either. So, um, so put on the new man. Okay? That that would be a very good summary for um, um, Ephesians chapter 4. After, after he talks about the edification of church. He says, put on the new man. Look at 27. He says, 26, he says, don't let, don't let, and don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. For anger gives a foothold to the devil. He says, if you're a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good work and then give generously to others in need. You know, says, get rid of all, this 31, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, slander, and all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. This is, this is your model for forgiveness. This is your model for good works. Put off. Forgive because you have been forgiven. That's such a powerful statement. Yeah. It says, imitate, so look at 5 verse 1. It says, imitate God therefore in everything you do because you are his dear children. It says, live a life filled of love. It says, 3, let there be no sexual immorality, impurity or greed among you. Such sins have no place among God's people. Listen, when we talk about sin, um, when, what God's word wants you to do about sin is not to call yourself a sinner. It is to realize that sin is not supposed to be in you. So, someone listening is like, what do I do when I sin? First of all, understand that you are not a sinner. You are the righteousness of God. You're the righteousness of God. That's that's exactly who you are. Yeah. See, you you have to realize that the 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 nature begets the action or begets the action so um you you do because you are not you you're not you you aren't it's not you are because you do you do because you are so because you're righteous you should do righteous things okay so when paul is identifying these people and he's saying you know and he's talking about sin he's talking about it from the perspective that we are god's righteousness So we're not supposed to live 
as unrighteous people because we are God's righteousness, all right? Yeah. So when you think about sin, whenever you commit sin, remember that that's not your nature. That's not who you are. Remind yourself of who you are. Say, say to yourself, you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. He became sin who knew no sin, that we might be called his righteousness. That's who you are, yeah. right? Let this soak into your mind. Let it rule your mind. He now goes on to continue with these statements. Again, he can say all of this because he has already told them who they are. Yeah. So we, another thing we see here is a precedence for correction in the church. So you're not corrected. They don't call you and say, look at you, sinner like you. It's no. You are the righteousness of God. Think of, think of it this way. If a man is a thief and you're telling him to stop stealing, The question is, what do you expect him to do? Like, if you tell him to stop saying what, what his job description literally means he, he should steal. Yeah. But now, if you tell your president to stop stealing, now, that, that instruction makes more sense because, first of all, as a president, he's being paid. And next, he has privileges that afford him the, that afford him the right to not use, um, to not take phones for certain things. Mm-hmm. So when you tell him not to steal, and the prestige of the position he bears it makes a lot of sense in the same way when we tell a a, when we call believers sinners and we tell them you're a sinner look at you sinning there's no there's no point for repentance because you're a sinner you should sin but if we say hey you're the righteousness of god the man needs to think oh snap i'm god's righteousness this is not consistent with righteousness. That's how we correct believers. We first of all inform them of their nature. We tell them what they should do because of who they are. Yeah. And then we, we tell them what they ought to do. Yeah. So he goes on to say things like in verse 7, don't participate in the things these people do. It says, for you were once full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. So live as people of the light. Yeah. He now goes on to say, um, so be careful how you live. Don't, don't be like fools, but... But like those who are wise, that's verse 15. Look at verse 18. It says, don't be drunk with wine. Remember, the, the people in Ephesus had a common practice to, to drink in their festivals because they, their pagan rituals required it. It says, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, yeah. be filled with the Spirit, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs amongst yourself, making music to the Lord with your hearts. Then he now gets to verse 22, which is usually the part that gets a lot of issues in Ephesians. He says, what, for, um, for wives, this means submit to your husband. Okay, let's start from 21. He says, and further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. For wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife as the, as the church, as Christ is the head of the church. Now, a lot of people interpret this to say, this is mutual submission and um well that's not exactly what 21 tells us he says submit to one another out of submit to one another out of reverence for the church the king james says that submit one to another one to the other now what he means by this is that if you look at the context of what he's saying in from verse 22 he says wife should submit right he now says how should they submit he says as as the the church to the lord right he now talks about next he goes on to talk about slaves in in verse in chapter 6 verse 1 now what what he's basically saying is this the way he he, first of all there are two implications if we say that 
Number one, we're saying that the church, the that Christ should be submitted to the church. Because the way we are supposed to, the, the the family is supposed to work is that the husband is submitted to, the wife is submitted to the husband as the church to the Lord. So we are saying that the Lord is also submitted to the church, which is not true. Yeah. So what is true then? The, the, the truth is that wives are supposed to be submitted to their husbands the same way slaves to their masters. So when he's saying submit one to the other, that's what he means. Like when he says in verse 21, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, is wives submit to your husband because of Christ. All right? Yeah. So he gives the instruction for for wives to submit to their husbands. So a lot of people can argue about this. But listen, God created and designed marriage. If his instructions for marriage is to have the man as the head of the marriage and you subscribe to God's remember we said God's word is timeless. So in God's foresight, he knows that the best way the marriage institution can work is if wives submit and husbands love their wives. So that's exactly what he says. Yes. All right. Yes. So he now says, um, he says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life to make her holy and clean, washed by the word of God. So he, he set such a high standard for the men and for the women as well. The standard we see nonetheless for each person is the word of god is christ himself so how are you supposed to submit as a woman you're supposed to submit as the church to christ how are you supposed to love as a man as christ loved the church so the more we understand about god's relationship with the church the better our relationships get yeah and the more you know we we have better relationships the more we mirror the union between Christ and the church. Mm-hmm. And it's such a such a beautiful um um dance in some sense. Okay, six verse one. Let's let's jump there. Children obey your parents in Lord. Remember we we said something about the, the submission thing. Children obey your parents in the Lord. So it's now like someone saying, Okay, children obey your parents in the Lord and then parents also obey your children. It doesn't add up. You, you can't because the, the parents have to be the head of the children that's just how the order works in the family right yeah. um it says honor your father and your mother this is the first commandment with the promise slaves be obedient to your masters some people use this to say oh the bible is condolent of slavery no it's 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 that's a very weak argument for it's just like saying um uh, how do we put this now first of all <sighs> It's just like saying, um, okay, first of all, this is not the permission or the, um, this is not the, oh, go have slaves. This is a, oh, you already have slaves. And by the way, the way slavery worked, like by the time we look at how slavery worked in Jewish times and how the Jews saw slaves and how the Romans saw slaves, they were very different from how, from to a very large degree, they're different from how we have slaves today. Well, let me show you something that he says here. He says, slaves obey your masters. Now, he now says in 9, masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Don't threaten them. Remember, you both have the same master in heaven and he has no favorites. So, his perspective, first of all, we understand that Paul is a Jew, right? Yeah. 
his understanding of slavery is heavily shaped by how the Lord told the Israelites to have slaves. So the the slaves that the Israelites had were not um, uh, in the, this. They are more like apprentices. That's the better. That's the best terminology for slavery in the Old Testament by the by the Jews. They are apprentices. So. Paul is treating it in that same light today. He's like, look, this guy that you're having, don't because, oh, this person is a slave and, you know, the Romans are treating their slaves that way. Don't start treating them that way. Remember, you have the same master. So the way you're going to treat this slave is going to be different. So if we went to, if, you know, we went to a Christian family or we went to two families and one of them was Christian and the other wasn't, and the Christians had a slave and the other guys had a slave. The way the Christian slave would be treated would be very different from the way the other guys would treat their slaves. Yeah. Because the Christians would treat them knowing that they have a master. Do you understand? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, basically the derogatory idea and ideology behind slavery in the minds of the Romans would not be accepted by the believers because such ideas or customs of you know treating torturing and not feeding them properly do not line up with the behavior of a believer yeah so the you know someone might say oh the bible did not expressly condone condemn slavery but guess what the bible in this, the bible did not um the the acts that are involved in slavery like what you call is um what you call what constitutes in the life of a slave are not condoned by the Bible. In in the Bible, kidnapping is for, forbidden, right? Yeah. Under the law, the punishment for kidnapping a person was that the person should be killed, right? Yeah. You know, in the Bible, you're not supposed to, if a man beats, if a man injures a person who works for him, that's the slave, the apprentice, you're supposed to go free. Like the, you would want to be, this this may come out like some Nigerians would rather be Old Testament slaves than New Testament employees. <laughs> like that's how good the conditions are. And of course, we're not talking about like slavery in the whole American. We're talking about how the Word of God describes the slaves that the Israelites had. But of course, the name slaves has gone through a lot of muddy situations. But. Um, just know that when you hear slaves in the bible and you see how they were treated is very different from what you see in the um in the in the in the in the europeans and the americans coming over to africa and taking people it's a very different scenario even though a lot of those people have used the word of god to justify their evil nonetheless it's evil but what the word says is very different from that so um finally he talks about the armor of christ and he talks about the armor of Christ and he tells us to put on the full armor of Christ. Look at 18. He says, pray in the spirit at all times, on every occasion. Stay alert, be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. He now says you should pray for him. You know, I think this is also, this is like a good place to end. You know, we talked about ministers mm-hmm. and we talked about them being gifts to us from God. Yeah. And we see now a minister is asking the church to pray for him. I think it's another important thing that we need to do. Pray for your pastor. You know, you're in that church and then you're complaining, you know, my pastor doesn't like me. You don't know what your pastor goes through. Yeah. All right? Maybe your pastor actually likes you, but because he's just had, you know, somebody's family's 
brother's sister's uncle and he's having to resolve all of that and then that day he's just not looking at you and you're like ah oh, pastor is not coming today pray for your pastors mm-hmm. all right pastors go through a lot to ensure that the church is in order so pray for them i think that's a good place to stop yeah i hope this blessed you yeah you know, showed it and I learned a lot, you know. One thing that really, you know, struck for me was when you, you pointed out that Jesus was not just ascending and descending. <laughs> I don't know if you remember when you said that, yeah. but I but I remember that he was not just ascending and descending. You know, there yeah. was a reason. And even in that, the Bible records that he gave gifts to men. You get so now he has yeah. committed to us ministry gifts, you know, and all of this is for our growth. And you know, when we look at all the lens there's no way we can call god unfair or not loving because when we look at all the lens he has gone through to see us live a life above sin you know to see us live victoriously and just live free from the shackles of sin when we look at that we see his love more than ever before and his kindness you know that someone would you know plan all this while plan so so excellently you know how um you know how you would plan things like maybe the way you plan your life and things don't necessarily go as planned that was not what happened here god took his time and he carefully planned out um you know salvation for all of man you know despite what happened despite the fact that what happened happened out of man's free will like he planned everything from the beginning not only that he executed his plan so excellently well he came he died for us not only that he has done so much to see us live above sin giving us his spirit giving us gifts you know i mean when we look around and we see the blessings we have in form of men in form of apostles in form of pastors in form of leaders we can just see god's love towards us that God wants us to really live a life above sin. He wants us to live for Him, really, to love Him, to make His fame and His His love known to the entire world. And really, there's nothing He has not done. So now, Paul is giving us these instructions, you know, knowing fully well that we are able. He's telling us not to sin, not to do this, because He knows that we can by the Spirit of God on our inside. Which is why it was very important that he emphasized the identity because all these things do not happen necessarily by your own power or by your own ability to keep yourself. But the Bible tells us that God is working in us both to will and to do. And so there's so much, so much. Just meditating on the word, just reading the word, I believe would would handle a lot of issues that believers are having today. Um, you know, so yeah, thank you so much for this. Thank you so much for your commitment thank you for explaining thank you for taking time out to run us down through the entire book of Ephesians and guys I want to tell you go and read the book of Ephesians now you have this guide you have this commentary so take it and go and yeah take this you know sit with it read the book digest the book understand it enjoy it uh you know so yeah that's that's pretty much it that's pretty much it and if we have if you have any questions please feel free to turn them in and you know we would be sure to ask Moses here we sure to come back and you know answer our questions or we sure to send you a recording or put out a form of content anyways to answer our questions so we just really want to thank you Moses thank you for taking your time out so that we could be edified so that we could be blessed you know you honored our request and we're so grateful thank you so much thank you so much it's a privilege thank you
all right all right guys bye <laughs> say bye to our guest our guest speaker you know as we say one is the charmer and the <laughs> one is what is i'm about to say it again <laughs> uh, one is a chance and two is a charmer <laughs> so what would three times be <laughs> Anyways, we, we should we should we should make we should make it merch and just write when when is it chance? <laughs> I don't know. It's just so. So, I'm willing. I'm more than willing. Okay, guys, please rate this podcast. Please give us a good review. You know, if you've never reviewed this podcast, hmm, that's not really so nice. Please send us a review. Please like this podcast. Rate this podcast five star. If this blessed you, share with your friends, share on your stories, share the link everywhere. Thank you. Okay, on this note, it's a bye-bye-bye-bye from us. All right, bye.